Welcome back to Locked On Bears. As always, I am your host, Lauren Cox from Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears talk on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Today we are continuing our grading of the Chicago Bears at the halfway point of their season, now entering the bye week. Yesterday on the Thursday show, we went through the offense position by position, handing out a report card, letter grades to every position, looking at sort of an in-depth relative to the position and the situation grade for every position. And now today, we are taking it over to the defense and special teams to round out the roster here heading into the weekend. It's got to start up front with the defensive line the guys who do the dirty work in the trenches and don't often get as much respect as they deserve for their play within this scheme. And I look at this group as a whole, and it's hard not to get excited about these guys. I mean, I, I'm i ready to go as high as an A- minus for this defensive line. And obviously, it starts with Akeem Hicks playing at a Pro Bowl level this season. He has been borderline unblockable in some games this year, commanding double teams, splitting double teams, and certainly whenever he gets a one-on-one opportunity against maybe a, a backup offensive lineman in the game because of an injury or just one of the team, you know, an opposing team's more struggling lineman on the interior, the Bears get that matchup for him. Vic Fangio moves him around, and he just dominates. He, he commands help from other blockers, whether that be a running back in the backfield or, you know, the offensive tackle coming over and giving him help. They move him around in different packages. They stand him up on the outside every once in a while. They'll line him up over the middle and stand him up. I mean, Akeem Hicks has been arguably the most valuable player on the Bears defense this year, and he's a big reason why this defensive line has been so successful. But for as for as much as Akeem Hicks has been perhaps the most valuable I think Mitch Unrein might be the most underrated player on this team this season. I mean, he has just been incredibly consistent in terms of run defense, really penetrating well and being disruptive. And that disruption hasn't resulted in a lot of glory for him, and his stat sheet isn't necessarily loaded with, you know, big tackles for losses or, or certainly not sacks. But he is making a lot of block disruptions that free up Danny Trevathan behind him. Or he takes on two guys so that Leonard Floyd outside of him can cut inside and make the play. Or he can take on a guard and a tackle so Eddie Goldman just has a one-on-one with the center, fight over top and, and try and make a play on the running back. Or even it's just, you know, Mitch Unrein penetrates and forces the running back to cut back away from the design of the run. And then maybe it leads you back to someone unblocked on the backside. And just he, he does a lot to not allow the offense to do what it wants to do consistently in the running game. And I think he's doing even more than you could ask and expect from a player just with his type of background. I mean, you know coming in that this guy is not going to be a major contributor as a pass rusher. I mean, he just, you know, he, he hasn't been horrible in that area, but he's just not a guy that is going to light up teams for a lot of sacks or anything. I mean, he's got one on the year, and he's got a few hurries and, and whatnot, but clearly his forte and, and the area that the Bears need him to be successful is in the running game, and that has been a very clear, consistent mark for him. Again, kind of a surprise for a guy that's 
bounced around the league a little bit and came to Chicago in 2016, or I guess 2015, earlier in the year as sort of that stopgap who can fill in at the 4-3 or the 3-4 defensive end spot, play some defensive tackle in sub packages. And he was sort of meant to be replaced by Jonathan Bullard eventually in the starting lineup. That hasn't happened in, in part because of Bullard, but also just this year, Mitch Unrein playing like a, a true starting caliber 3-4 defensive end, definitely raising this group up with his consistency. And, and certainly Eddie Goldman has been offering quite a bit of consistency himself at that nose tackle position. Just a, a solid young player there. And Jonathan Bullard st- seems to be getting better here the last couple weeks, taking steps forward. But I think what's most impressive about this group across the board is just how little depth they do have. I mean, Mitch Unrein and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman have had to bear the brunt of the playing time here. And Jonathan Bullard more recently has gotten you know, more playing time and it's starting to hold a bigger role, but Roy Robertson Harris hasn't been able to do quite as much. Injuries have played a factor there, but you're still looking at Hicks playing 85% of the snaps this year on defense and Goldman and Unrein are right up there with him. They haven't been able to have the luxury of rotating these guys around and yet they haven't seemed to miss a beat. Still a very strong group. And to me, that's more impressive just because they haven't had, you know, if they had had five options on this defensive line like some teams do, it makes it a little less impressive. But the fact that these guys are out there down in and down out, generating pressure, at least mostly from Akeem Hicks there, but more importantly, standing their own against the run, that gives me an A- minus for this group. But but I stay at that A- minus and not a full A because, you know, I feel like for the most part, Eddie Goldman has plateaued a little bit this season. He's not, we haven't really seen a lot of growth from last year. That's not to say that he's been bad at all, but if you're looking for a young player here heading into, you know, third, fourth year moving forward here in his career, you want to see that step to step to step, and injuries have played a role in that for sure, but, you know, now you you want to see him continue to grow, And, and this year, I think, in year three, hasn't been quite that next step forward. He's just been, you know, sort of leveling off. And that's that's been a solid nose tackle, but he's not an A nose tackle right now. And even Akeem Hicks has had a couple games where he's been a little bit quieter. And I think an A would belong to the defensive line that has been one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. I don't think this team is quite one of the top defensive lines, but they're right up there on the cusp of, of top defensive line territory, and so that's why I kind of leave them at an A-. minus. Like I said on yesterday's show, I'm trying to avoid having any kind of recency bias, you know, for some of these players that maybe have been playing better lately than they were earlier in the year, but I think this defensive line has largely been consistent throughout, but, you know, it's also a struggle, you know, you you get excited about watching these guys play, you get excited about Akeem Hicks's big plays, and maybe you start to overlook some of the the occasional struggles he had. And, and same thing with Eddie Goldman, a little bit less overall consistent than Hicks. Not bad in either way, but it, it's a tough line to toe here trying to objectively grade these players. That's always the goal here on the Locked On Bears podcast. Objective, fair football analysis on the only daily Chicago Bears podcast. So maybe that objectivity might raise a few eyebrows then when I go to the outside linebacker position and I'm sitting here feeling pretty comfortable about a C plus grade for the outside linebackers group because as much as they have been 
solid, in my opinion, against the run. When this scheme, and you know, with the way Vic Fangio runs this defense, pass rush is clearly the primary and most important role of the outside linebacker positions. They they have they have an important job in run defense, but when they get into these nickel packages in a passing league, the Bears need their outside linebackers to dominate the pass rush, and we just haven't seen that this year. You know, looking at PFF numbers last year in terms of percentage of the time the Bears were pressuring opposing quarterbacks, percentage of the time they got pressure on opposing quarterbacks last year, 2016, the Bears ranked 13th, and I don't have the exact percentage number, not that important. The Bears, as a defense, ranked 13th in pressure percentage on the quarterback. This year, they're 30th out of 32 teams in the NFL, clearly not where this team needs to be, and I know some of that goes on the defensive line. But when you have an A-minus defensive line right now with a Pro Bowl, Akeem Hicks, and very consistent players in Unrein and Goldman, that just makes the outside linebackers look that much worse, that they're not generating as much of a pass rush, perhaps with more help from the defensive line that they had last year. And I understand that a big reason for that has been the absence of Willie Young at this outside linebackers group. And like this defensive line, the depth just hasn't been there. But that's sort of where the difference lies. You know, the, the defensive line doesn't have depth, but they're playing really well in spite of it. Whereas the outside linebackers group doesn't have depth, and they're not able to overcome that as well. I mean, they just don't have that Pro Bowl caliber player. I think Leonard Floyd has been doing a good job. And as much as I perhaps am critical of Leonard Floyd, I, I'm, I'm never trying to say Leonard Floyd is bad. Leonard Floyd does a good job, but he does not do a great job. And I think a, a ninth overall pick in the draft is up is a reasonable target for scrutiny, not pessimism or over-analysis criticism, but just a an objective look at it. Is this outside linebacker making the difference in this group that he should be? He's making a, a he's playing well, but he's not playing great. And you want a great player from your top 10 pick. And they they need him, especially with Willie Young out, to step up and be that great player. And I understand that it's year two. And so, again, I'm not saying Leonard Floyd has been bad by any stretch of the term, but it's going to take time for him to get to become that great player. And assuming he does, you know, it's not there yet, but it will take time. And they just haven't had quite as much consistency there. I mean, Pernell McPhee has been their most consistent outside linebacker when he's on the field, but he's only able to play 40, 45% of the snaps in games this year just because his body can't hold up. He's not as, he just, his knees aren't as good and he just can't handle that many opportunities at this point in his career. But you just only get so much of that. And then you're really kind of left right now with just Sam Acho. And Sam Acho is a very solid average starter. He's consistent, but he's never, you know, Sam Acho doesn't give you the big plays, but he doesn't give you the bad plays either. He's just, you know what you're getting from Sam Acho, but it's, it's not a difference maker. And they need more difference making from their one young difference maker. He's, he's gotten some sacks in the year. A lot of them have been in maybe easier situations in terms of unblocked on stunts and cleaning up, chasing down the quarterback. Those are valuable. Leonard Floyd has been good, but he leaves me wanting more and this group as a whole leaves me wanting more. And so that's why I sit the outside linebackers at a C plus, largely because of a lack of pass rush, because they have been doing their job in run defense. I think if, if their run defense 
had been a little bit more poor, you'd see that C plus come down to a C, C minus, but uh, that bumps them up to the C plus for me. And that's about, you know, without Willie Young, this is about a C plus group. I think a consistent Willie Young brings you up into that B range just because he was so valuable last year. But without him, the pass rushing production has certainly dropped off. Inside linebacker has been another position on this team this year that has dealt with injuries. And, you know, as much as the other places in the front seven haven't had as much depth. The inside linebacker position has had depth. That depth has been challenged, and they've largely risen to the challenge. I mean, all things considered with the injuries to Freeman and Kwiatkowski, now the suspension to Freeman, and the one-game suspension that Danny Trevathan faced, this has been a B-plus inside linebackers group for me. In the last couple games, I think Danny Trevathan has really been playing like a Pro Bowl linebacker, and again, I'm trying to avoid the recency bias there because he wasn't as stellar in you know the first four weeks of the season, but seems like as the offense has had more hope with Mitchell Trubisky under center, the defense has been playing a little bit more consistently, and, and Danny Trevathan has, but he was still very good earlier in the season. He's been great in the last couple games, so he obviously carries a lot of this inside linebacker position, but Christian Jones has been stepping up slowly but surely certainly exceeding expectations here across the board. You know, he's not a he's not a guy that necessarily is going to be signed away to a big contract to some other team looking for him to take over as a full-time starting inside linebacker, but I would say he's one of the better backup linebackers and maybe one of the at least average starting quality linebackers in this league right now and you know, maybe better in run defense than in coverage, but that's sort of the, the case for this whole group and you know, generally speaking You've gotten sure tackling from all of them. Even John Timu had to start that game without Trevathan during the suspension. Basically on your fourth and fifth inside linebackers, this group didn't collapse. They didn't fall apart. They weren't a horrible liability. They're getting the job done for the most part in all three phases. You know, little mistakes here and there. But to me, this has been a B-plus inside linebackers group, maybe mostly just due to the fact that expectations would have dropped down losing two of your top three inside linebackers and the level of play has has dropped off but it hasn't been nearly as bad as you might have expected given how much we've seen Christian Jones, Jonathan Timu, and even Jonathan Anderson this season all filling in and at least getting the job done. Before I move on to the cornerbacks here I just want to take a minute to remind you all of all of the great podcasts here that the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer. They've got shows for every NFL and NBA team now. I mean, Bulls fans, I recommend you check out Locked On Bulls. It's hosted by Sean Hyken and Cody Westerlund from 670 The Score. Those two guys do a great job of breaking down every Bulls game, preview and recap, keeping you up to date with everything going on with the Chicago Bulls, even though maybe this season hasn't been quite a, an exciting one. They're at least helping Bulls fans get through it, but I know a lot of my listeners here are pure football guys, so I definitely recommend you check out some of our national shows. Locked On NFL is hosted by Matt Williamson. He's a former NFL scout himself. He's always got very educated opinions on every NFL team. They always get around the docket pretty good with some Bears talk snuck in there. There's also Locked On Fantasy Football with Vinny Iyer. He's from the Sporting News. Always great takes from him on who to get in your lineups, both for daily fantasy and your week-to-week fantasy football team. And then certainly yesterday, I mentioned Locked On NFL Draft, 
hosted by John Ledyard and Trevor Sykema, two guys who have been on this podcast before previewing the Steelers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers games. They just went through some Chicago Bears talk on Wednesday. Mostly John Trevor was out for that episode, but talking about this Bears rookie class and how Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen have exceeded expectations while obviously Adam Shaheen hasn't quite caught up to the rest of the group. There are tons of good shows for you to check out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, when you're finished listening to our Grading the Bears at the Bye Week podcast right here, right now. Now we get to this much improved Chicago Bears secondary. And I think sometimes it's easy to compare last year to this year and get a little bit too excited maybe about what this group has been able to do. And I'm not, I don't want that to, to be war, you know, foreshadowing that I'm going to be overly critical of this group because their grades are certainly high here. But I know the cornerback position in particular has been one of discussion frequently here on this podcast. And so I'm going to give the cornerback group a B, and I'll tell you why. This might be a little bit controversial to some people, but Prince Amukamara has been the Chicago Bears' best cornerback this year, in my opinion. You know, this guy has been a little bit quiet, and that's a good thing at the cornerback position. I mean, you know, people talk a lot about, like, how good Marshawn Lattimore's been. A lot of how good Marshawn Lattimore's been has been part of how little the ball has been thrown his way. And Prince of Mukamara isn't, isn't obviously at that level, but he has done a good job of just shutting down his side of the field for the most part, not allowing many big gains, and just kind of keeping things quiet over there. I know Pro Football Focus just revealed that Prince of Mukamara has not been targeted in the fourth quarter this year. He's locking it down in critical situations, and I know some of that has been the Bears just being behind on the scoreboard in the fourth quarter and not facing a lot of passes, but it still says a lot that he hasn't been targeted a single time in any game in the fourth quarter of this season. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was just a, a relatively n- low number, but this guy has been on the field for a lot of snaps in a lot of fourth quarters this year, and the ball hasn't come his way, and that, that just speaks a lot to the way he's been able to step up in critical situations, and he definitely brings a refreshing amount of consistency to this cornerback position, and Kyle Fuller opposite him has had some very good games and some very strong games, particularly recently. The last few games, he's really stepped up, maybe a little bit quieter against the New Orleans Saints, but still making some bigger plays as of late. But he also had some iffy games early in the season that I think people are forgetting about a little bit where he had been burned for some big gains on multiple plays, giving up big completions downfield. He's still, he's taking a lot of steps forward. This is the best Kyle Fuller we have seen in his career. And this is, this is like the Leonard Floyd thing. I'm not saying Kyle Fuller has been bad by any sense of the stretch. And I think Kyle Fuller has been better than Leonard Floyd, in my opinion. Kyle Fuller has made a lot of consistent plays, but he's not a lockdown cornerback right now. And I think some people have that perception that he's this enforcer against the run and and a lockdown cornerback in coverage and he's been very good in coverage and I think maybe his a couple of big tackles he has made maybe are over inflating what he has done in the running game but this guy's also missed eight tackles this year and a lot of that was a bigger problem earlier in the year has been more sure in that department as of late but you know he hasn't been an A cornerback and I don't think Prince Amukamara has quite been an A cornerback. And, you know, Bryce Callahan in the slot, similar to Eddie Goldman for me, where, 
young player on the rise, but plateauing a little bit this year. He's still very good, but maybe you want to see, you know, you want to see that linear growth and growth in the NFL isn't always linear. As the great Mark Schofield always says, you might remember him from our Mitchell Trubisky development pocket. He's a big fan of the linear, the development is not linear mindset. And I agree hundred percent, but Callahan just plateauing a little bit, still very good this year before he got hurt against the New Orleans Saints. But all of that as a group kind of leaves me feeling like a B cornerback group. You know, when Marcus Cooper's been in, he's been average and Kyle Fuller's had some big ups and a couple of low downs, but still definitely above average. And, and Prince of Mukamar has been the best of the group, but that all adds up to about a, a B cornerback group this year. Maybe, I mean, I could be convinced to a B plus, but this has not been an A performance from cornerbacks. There've been big plays, even as of late. I mean, Drew Brees was able to complete 80% of his passes against the Saints. Like as, as well as the Bears defense played, that was a little bit overshadowed by turnovers. And if this, you know, the Saints three plays or whatever in that game sort of is what doomed them to 20 points because for a lot of the time their offense was borderline unstoppable, mixing up the play calling, just sort of eating chunks of yardage against the Bears. And I think the cornerbacks were a part of that, you know, more fuller and, and some of the slot and even the linebackers in the middle of the field less so than the outside. But still, you know, this this cornerback group just hasn't been a quality for me. They've been B quality. They've been a lot better than last year. They're a very good group. This is not a bad position at all this season, which is much higher than expectations, but they're just right in that B range. It's 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 a compliment. It's not a criticism, but I think some people are quick to get a little bit excited and, and want to put them in this A group. They're more of a B group. That's where I'm trying to keep this a little bit more real than, than too overexcited about the, the performance of some encouraging young players here. As much as I'm preaching being reserved about the cornerback group, I, I don't feel the same way about the safeties. I mean, this is a group that obviously got better when Quinton Demps went out with the injury, and I, I'm really fully ready to give the safeties an A for their performance this year. I mean, Adrian Amos is absolutely breaking out, and I've been trying to tell you guys since preseason, since training camp, been on the Adrian Amos train. The perception of him changes after he gets that pick six. And really, that's sort of been his one turnover this year. It's the, the big 90-yard pick six, and that's a huge, huge, huge play. But sort of the point here is that one big play from Adrian Amos, and I actually think he did have a forced fumble this year as well. So two big plays out of the 350 he's been on the field this year, that doesn't all of a sudden make him a great young safety. What's made him a great young safety is how well he's been playing from snap to snap. He's been really handling coverage well in the slot, over the middle of the field. There have been multiple games this year where when he's targeted, he's allowed negative receiving yards. Every you know, where the, the net gain from receivers that he's thrown against finish in the backfield for a loss, whether that be on screens or, or quick outs out of the backfield. He's making plays, he's finishing and, and not missing tackles or anything like that. He's just stepping up and being a consistent safety on this back end in coverage and in run defense. You know, he's not the, he's not the ball hawk, and he's never been the ball hawk. And it's just, it, it's funny how the perception of him has changed this year simply because he got two hands and caught one interception and took it back for a touchdown and forced another fumble. I mean, the only difference this year with Adrian Amos is that he held on to that interception and and force that fumble. I mean, he's had he's had plays where he gets two hands on the ball, 
and hasn't been able to drop it hasn't been able to hold on to it he's dropped it you know the playmaking ability has been there it's just a matter of finishing plays we're seeing him finish plays but he's had that same level of consistency and coverage certainly better this year than in previous years and stepping up just as well against the run he is pro football focuses second highest graded safety in the NFL this season I believe after eight weeks and just a, a great breakout from him and you pair that with Eddie Jackson who certainly made a name for himself against the Carolina Panthers single-handedly carrying this team or not single-handedly but putting 14 points on the board and outscoring both teams' offenses. I mean, Eddie Jackson is certainly exceeding expectations for a rookie fourth-round pick. And you just like look at this duo, Amos and Jackson. Three months ago, you tell me Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson are your starting safeties. It's a little bit iffy. You're like, oh boy, is are, you know if you go to the travel in a time machine and say, hey, Lauren, Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson are your Bears starting safeties on November 1st. I was like, are they doing okay? You know, how are they holding up back there? And they've been one of the better young duos in the NFL, absolutely exceeding expectations. And I don't know if they're a top five safety duo in the NFL right now, but I give them an A because of just how well they've exceeded expectations, because Adrian Amos is breaking out, because Eddie Jackson is making these big plays. They've played like an A safety group when we were expecting maybe a C safety group. And I think that's sort of where situation and, you know, expectations versus reality come into the grading here. You know, there might be other safety groups playing better than them, but for what this, for what you think you were getting from Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos, this is an A performance from the safeties this year. And one of the great surprises and pleasant surprises from this defense. We have to wrap up as we do so often here on Lockdown Bears with the special teams, the all-important third phase. I hope by now you're getting used to special teams talk and you're getting excited for special teams talk, even though the kicker position has not given you any reason to be excited. Connor Barth gets an F for me, 7 for 11 on field goals this year, and only 3 of 7 on kicks from 40-plus. Just totally unreliable in that area. If you're if you're in the easy field goal range, you'll hit it. Great. You can find... 30 guys on the street that can hit from under 40 yards can't you know what makes a kicker good versus awful is what he does beyond that and just hasn't been nearly consistent enough on his field goals and even on kickoffs not getting enough distance not getting enough touchbacks giving too many return opportunities just an all-around very poor performance from Connor Barth this season every Bears fan I think is looking to upgrade there and that'll take the only F on this whole roster for me. I've been hyping Pat O'Donnell for his punting a lot this year, and so maybe that's why it might be surprising to you that I'm going to give punter a B grade for this year, and that's, you know, Pat O'Donnell has been a lot better than last year, but he's not an A punter in the NFL right now. He's he's getting pretty good distance on his punts, and he's getting pretty good hang time. Those are the, so hang time, distance, and location are sort of the, well, there obviously those are the sort of the three things on a punt, and he's been getting he's been pre- getting pretty consistent at those, but he's not elite at any of them. He's not he's not booming them all super high or or super far. I mean, you know, not, you can't always put him far. Sometimes location is more important than distance, and vice versa. But you you, you haven't seen maybe enough. You've seen some elite punts, but you're not seeing consistently elite punts. And he's been that's why he's a B punter. He's doing a good job of of helping to win the field position battle. 
but he's not a game-changing punter as much as game-changing punters can be. You know, Johnny Hecker from the Rams, Marquette King from the Raiders, these are your A-grade punters. Pat O'Donnell is, a you know, the tier below that. He's he's in that B range. Very good. Don't have a lot of complaints from Pat O'Donnell. I will give Pat O'Donnell a contract extension and live with this level of punting for the rest of his career. Absolutely. That's a B punter for me. Not not changing the game, but certainly better than last year and, and right where I think the Bears at least need him to be. That, of course, leaves us with our favorite position here on Locked on Bears. You guessed it. It's time for the long snapper talk. Andrew DiPaola, one of these podcasts, I will learn exactly how to pronounce his name. If any of my listeners here are familiar with the D-E-P-A-O-L-A last name, I would love to hear a more correct pronunciation, but it looks like a DiPaola. I'm going to have it be three syllables there. There might be an easier way to say it, but Andrew DiPaola, A- minus long snapping for me. I I always refer back to PFF's long snapping numbers because they're the only people in the whole wide world that really get into long snapping. I had Gordon McGinnis on the podcast back to preview the Ravens game. He is the director of special teams, right? I don't know what his exact special teams title is there, but he does and is in charge of all things special teams at Pro Football Focus. He's big on the long snappers. We've talked about Andrew DiPaola. One long snap this year on a field goal that wasn't as accurate as it needed to be. He's been perfect on punts so far, but that one imperfect long snap leaves him at an A minus. You know, you know, there's certainly a, a percentage wise of miss snaps to perfect snaps. And, you know, the more snaps you've had, the more willing I'm willing to put up with, uh, you know, an inaccurate snap, but there are still long snappers who've had comparable or more snaps this year without a bad snap. Those are your A long snappers. I think Andrew DiPaola is an A-minus long snapper for just that one bad snap on a field goal. You're still looking at well above 95%. I didn't look at the exact percentage if you combine both of them, but you're looking at a 97, 98, probably not quite 99% snap accuracy, just the one bad snap on a field goal. And actually, his average snap time on punts, yes, PFF tracks, we, we do this on every punt, how long it takes the ball to get from the long snapper to the punter, and how long it takes the punter to then catch it and punt it. NFL teams are actually interested in that data. He is a, a slightly faster than average snap time on punts. That's a, an A-minus long snapper from Andrew DiPaola. It just wouldn't be locked on Bears without that long snapper talk. I hope by now you have come to expect it, you've come to enjoy it, and you've come to relish in it. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss out on any future long snapper talk. Seems like we squeeze it in here maybe once a month, once every couple of weeks. And if you're not subscribed on iTunes or whatever podcast listening service you use, you are going to miss out. And really, I honestly recommend you just tell a friend about Locked On Bears and how much you're learning about long snapping. I mean, in in more serious terms, I, you know, I get people on Twitter all the time saying, man, I wish I had been listening to Lockdown Bears earlier. I get people to say, how am I just now hearing this podcast? There was just one the other day. A lot of great feedback from you guys on Lockdown Bears, and I want more people to experience the joy, to join in the conversation here. We're, we're talking Bears. I'm not sitting up here on a throne preaching down to you what you should think. I'm offering my objective football opinion. You can believe it. You can you can disagree with me. That's the fun part 
about Locked On Bears. It's Chicago Bears talk in your ear every single day. And I hope that at the very least, even if you don't agree with all of my positional grades, I hope you at least understand where I'm coming from and and get some enjoyment out of at least listening to my rationale and and evaluating this Bears team for your own. I mean, that's all we're doing here. Each of us, we watch the games, we enjoy them, we, we try and understand this team as best we can. That's what makes watching football fun. And I hope Locked On Bears is a part of your weekly and maybe daily Bears and just general football experience. I appreciate everyone that tunes into the show regularly. I do it for you. You know, we don't make a ton of money here on Locked On Bears. It's not it's not paying my bills or anything like that. It's a fun experience for me, and I hope it's a fun experience for you. And I hope you'll help me continue to grow this show together. You know, I keep saying it. It's gonna be a long weekend here without Chicago Bears football on the bye week. That's what the daily Locked On Bears episodes are here to help you get through it. And really, I think with with weeks full of content here, there's no excuse this week and even this Sunday to not bear down. 